Um, good morning and welcome to Let's Have the Conversation. Today we will be talking about St. Patrick and really the issues on the disconnect for me between celebrating St. Patrick's Day as an Irish American and actually knowing the history behind St. Patrick and being Irish. Um, so welcome. Cool. Glad to be here. My name's Marin. Um, I use she, they pronouns. Um, yeah, glad to be here. Well, you sent me on an awesome mission. I yeah. really, yes. So I listened immediately. Like I was like, oh, okay. So you sent me to go listen to Oshin and St. Patrick by mm -hmm. Candlelit Tales on YouTube. And I will admit, and I had not seen your other comments on the video. So when I first turned it on, I was like, I really hope that they are not trying to convince me of my point that St. Patrick is not meant to be celebrated. And so I kept listening and kept listening. And the story was just amazing. So it is a beautiful story. Would you like to give me your background and your thoughts? And then I'm absolutely happy to share because I'd like to sure. see from where you're coming from. Um, so, well, first of all, I'm Irish American. My dad's from Dublin um, and I'm kind of just starting to learn about all of this stuff. We didn't really, being like Irish Irish, we don't actually really celebrate St. Patrick's Day in the house. Um, it's actually, it's like more of an Irish American holiday. But for this story, um, I don't know. I just found Candlelit Tales on Instagram and I took their, they have a storytelling class. Uh, I took it. No, I didn't want to take classes like online anymore for my semester. So I just didn't. And then I took one of their classes and we just like, I met the people who run the podcast, their podcast. And um, I learned how to, tell stories and like improvise with them which was really cool um That's awesome. yeah they're so cool and like they've got a lot of knowledge and they've also like really open to people like pushing back against what they say because it's all about the conversation Absolutely. Um, and so yeah and then so I'm also like kind of these stories are like my introduction to more of like my Irish culture um and yeah yeah I forget uh, that was kind of like all over the place but that's like kind of my background I care a lot about just like these the magic of these stories and also they're just like really fun and they're very tied with like specific places in Ireland which I really want to go and visit um, absolutely yeah. I, I want to go and live one day that's like me my too ultimate. I like I feel goal. like I want to, I need to go and then come back here and like bring that knowledge. Um, but yeah. yeah, I don't want to return, but yeah, I understand. <laughs> I, I feel like I have some responsibility. I respect um, that. And I, I agree because even though you're of Irish culture, unfortunately, due to the system of whiteness, you are just white here. Right. And yeah. that's my huge platform and push on TikTok is we have to get back to who our ancestors are and who people were. I often mm -hmm. ask white people, when did you become white? Like, 
Were you always white or who were you before that? Because this system is killing everyone, right? And mm -hmm. recently, like the post that you answered on, it was this white man <laughs> telling me Europe was colonized. That's a take. Oh, yeah, that's what you're talking <laughs> to. Right. And <laughs> sir, like, delete Wait. that immediately. <laughs> like, that's hilarious, though immediately but it goes to show for me why critical race theory and all of these things are important because in america our education is so subpar when it comes to world history and cultural history when mm -hmm. we speak about the expansion of america or its empire or even the violence that it's entered into like world war ii we posture ourselves as the saviors there, right? And never take responsibility or accountability as to how we were actually complicit and set that situation up. Mm -hmm. The same goes to the, with the colonization of Europe, right? You come here and you get this like white savior conqueror myth, right? Like we came, we destroyed the, the Indians and we conquered this land and we're taking it over. And mm -hmm. it's like, no, like there is a partial truth that you were escaping persecution, religious persecution, right? Because the Catholic Church is the true colonizer of all of what we call Europe right now, right? And you have the Roman Empire, which I fully believe is still running things as the Roman Catholic Church. So for him to be so boldly <laughs> wrong yeah. in regard to the colonization of Europe was absolutely wild, which then led me into, you know, like, I'm Irish and black. So I'm like, you don't even understand who you are and your history, which led me to the St. Patrick's because you're right, it is an Irish American holiday. And it's this need to be connected to who you once were and to this land, but it is still through a system of whiteness lens right mm -hmm. it's still not even through the lens of our people our ancestors like it's not true celebrating saint patrick is literally celebrating the colonization saint patrick was a slave mm -hmm. in ireland who then went back to his home came back to ireland and absolutely colonized through catholicism and listening to that story was like the soul opening up like the very first part i was a little uh, and i want everybody who does listen to please go check out candlelit tales on youtube at first i was uncomfortable because it was very wrought in the idea of the saving right that saint patrick did to the land and then as you go deeper into the story and you hear about like basically the gates of hell opening up and the old gods and ancestors coming through like, hell no, this is our mm -hmm. land. It's like, yes. See, like those are the tales I grew up on. You and I have an age difference, obviously. Um, but my mom, though she never fully said it, you know, like older people, like they were like a silent type and kept things to their vests. But they, but she told me like of the stories and folklores and, and that kind of stuff and always reminded me that I came from good stock and your people are warriors and fighters. So hearing the story all the way through and not cutting it off 
like literally that's what it was it was like a breath and for me i feel like people like yourself who are going back and learning those old stories learning of the history before the colonization are doing just that right opening the portals and allowing the truth to come back in so on your journey what what's coming up for you because it's it seems exciting to me at least wow just like so much um what's coming up for me well right now my mind is like completely clear <laughs> so i don't even know what's coming up for me i think um I often will like just have like a moment to just like have a tear, <laughs> you know, right. like just like, oh my God, just like discovering um, a new part of my culture that was actively stifled and erased by like English rule. Uh, and so- And like, still is. I think And still people... is. I mean, I still don't even know that. I haven't right. been there. I mean, I was there when I was a wee one, little baby. Yeah. Also, when you were talking about opening up, so I'm actually wearing a sweatshirt by an artist in Boston. Um, their name is Mitsuka. I'll first I'll show you the back. Um, but when you said a portal, so oh, it said wow. the back says find my soul, and like it's a door opening up. And the hand with the portal swirl. Yeah, and then the front is calling all past lives that is absolutely beautiful you should check them out i'll send you them on um i'll send i'll send you their social media they are an amazing artist but just please like, do i have family that's in boston and brain so they can grab one for me and send it to me oh totally okay cool but like a lot of i guess what comes up for me is kind of just this continual process of discovering new things and then like having that moment of like magic of like, this is all here and this is, and also it's like, for me, I personally have kind of always felt like this fire within me that was like partially stifled by, by whiteness. Uh, and Absolutely. like, um, by fitting into whiteness. Um, and then I learned about the history of when the Irish came to America and I, I'm still reading. So it's the book of like how the Irish became white became I read white. Like mm -hmm. parts, of it, parts of it. Um, and I'm still at the, I'm a very beginning of this education process, but like learning about how it was, um, an active movement first, I mean, to oppress the Irish when they came here, Absolutely. but then to also see the need to include them in whiteness to keep the power. Correct. And to stifle the Irish um, revolutionary, I think is how they talked about it in the book. Mm -hmm. Because all these really like revolutionary Irish people were coming to America. It's like, actually, if you are going to survive here, you need to be white. Correct. Um, and so kind of, I guess what comes up for me with these stories is it's like peeling off an onion or like maybe some garlic because I had some garlic for breakfast, maybe some <laughs> garlic. Um, and like taking off those pieces bit by bit and getting to like the really, um, maybe it's back to an onion because sometimes I cry. <laughs> the layers, <laughs> I understand, I understand. And so, and um, uh, 
it's just like getting to those parts that are really raw and like you know produce those chemicals that cause the little sensation here um but yeah that's what comes up for me when like listening to these stories um and then also there's some of the stories are just like just naturally kind of entertaining um and also it's like so last night I'm I'm staying at my girlfriend's place and the power went out and so we actually were having candles around us Lovely. and so we didn't know what to do and so I decided to tell tell them this story the Oshin and St. Patrick story and it was literally like magic continuing that oral tradition around the candlelight and I'm like wow just having some affinity with people right here yeah i can imagine it is like so there was a president i cannot remember and i think it's fdr that used to have fireside chats right and yeah uh, yeah. and when i sometimes i still listen well years ago i haven't recently to otr which is like old-time radio where you could catch those fireside chats and that tradition, that oral tradition, right? Like the storytelling, like that's something that the Irish are famous for, like the gift of gab, the Blarney You're the gift of the gab. <laughs> gift of gab, all of that. Like we could chat it up. It's probably why I really love this kind of forum for my work, right? Like I prefer it to be conversations because it is storytelling and that can live on forever. And when the Irish were here and they came over and they were forced into these spaces and oppressed, they wound it up, they wound it, you hear me? They wound up having to suppress those tales, right? Another person commented that she didn't even know that they were Irish until she was an adult. And that is like wild to me because that was a huge part of my identity and being mixed. It was like, like when people would be like, oh, you're black and white. I'm like, oh no, back that up. I'm black and Irish. We're not going to just be using that term white all willy nilly on people Um, because having that cultural affinity, having that cultural awareness is a tie to who we all once were, to a land that still very much exists. And when there is that system of whiteness, right? And it's only delineation is your complexion, it strips identity completely. Like I said, this person who was like, I didn't even know we were Irish, like my dad's Irish. I had no idea until I was an adult. And I'm like, that is such a grave loss. And for me, if I get, white people to recognize like this system of white supremacy stole from you as well us as descendants of slavery from the african diaspora are just the last in a very very long line of colonization this is not something new now what makes the way they colonized africa and the Africans that they took very specific and very different is chattel slavery. America took enslavement practices and said, hold my beer. That was the very first time that black, that people in general were ever 
considered property. And that was literally only for the enslaved Africans. No one else has ever been property in the history of enslavement in the world. So it's like, that's a huge thing for me to deal with as well, trying to balance these two identities right? Like I hold being Irish and a descendant of slaves in tandem because they are both very much a part of my story. And they are both amazing. Like there's insane parallels for me amongst the two groups. And they are both warrior people and survivors of a system that was meant to destroy us, right? And to Mm -hmm squash and quell our stories and our history. So as a Black person who is discovering more of their practice here that was created from my ancestors in this land of like hoodoo and spirituality from that sense and being connected to Celtic magic and practices, it has been such an amazing healing journey for me recognizing these both parts. And that woke me up to recognizing, like I said, when you're just white and you don't know, there's nothing to connect to except the oppression of other people. (laughs) That's it. It's a nationalist, white is a nationalist idea. And healing from that space, when you have people like yourself who are like, wait a minute, no, that's not true. And learning how as Irish, we played into the oppression, right? So when they opted into the whiteness, when they became white, and you'll go further in that book, where you'll see is that like, because of their skin, they were not barred from the system of whiteness. And so they became the oppressor by becoming police officers, by creating unions and keeping people out. And by all accounts, they could have, any of the ethnic Europeans could have stood with the already oppressed here in America, the indigenous people and the descendants of slaves, but coming out of such violence and colonization from their own land and having that scarcity, you have people flooding this island of New York City in droves, flooding Canada in droves from forced starvation, from violent, brutal attacks. And all they can move from is a space of scarcity, energy, and fear. So they opted into mm-hmm. what was easy. The scarcity for me, sorry. <laughs> it is. No, that's what it is for me, right? Like I deal in energy. So it's like, and multiple truths. Like I have to see all of the truths in order for it to make sense. So you have these people coming with this scarcity energy and you have a system, you have a government that's like, well, you know, you don't have to be oppressed, <laughs> you know? Exactly. You don't have to be thrown this hot water cabbage and old, you know, corned beef and that you could legit, you know, you could rise in station if you do this. And when you look around and you've just come out of hell, it just Mm -hmm. is an easier way out. And but then when you kind of backtrack it and you realize that, you realize that it was selling your own self out as well. It was 
selling away your soul of your people. And that has got to be a reality that white Americans that came from ethnic European backgrounds get to in order to dismantle this system. Because when you connect to your own oppression, instead of this false American nationalism and conqueror myth, you will be like, no, we have to dismantle it all. I'm also interested in knowing what your dad thinks about your journey. Is he first generation Irish he or is, what's his background? Um, he was born in uh, Dublin. Oh, okay. You uh, did say in the beginning. But my, um, my dad is Irish Irish and my mom yeah. is Irish American. Mm-hmm. Um, so my great grandmother came here. Um, she actually, her funny random, but she was about to get it on the Titanic, but then her mm-hmm. mom no, don't do it. And so that's, I guess, how I'm here. But um, so around that time, I guess the early 1900s. So it's like, I'm definitely Irish American on one side mm-hmm. and then like Irish on the other Irish, side. Irish, Irish, proper Irish. Gotcha. So what does he think about your journey? Is he excited for you? And what does your mom think as an Irish American? Because it's completely... It's a similar culture, right? Like my cousin is married to a proper Irishman. Um, mm-hmm. And... Whilst I can see the similarities between us all, how we came up, I could also see the vast differences, right? Like I don't Mm -hmm. pretend that I'm proper Irish. I can say I'm Irish American who came from proper Irish, um, but there are still differences, right? Because there's this knowledge of self. So what does that look like with your family dynamic? Um, I think that they are very supportive of the journey and he's definitely like he my dad um when he was in Ireland he was a part of like the workers party and like um you know like the the lower levels of the remnants of the IRA Mm -hmm. Um, and then my great uncle Brendan um was like a part of the I'm IRA I'm pretty sure and I need to learn the history behind that because that can be a lot for some people just that is very heavy yes absolutely stuff happened that Mm -hmm. I need to educate myself on um and I want to see I want to go to Ireland to do that but um and so he's definitely supportive of like exploring that identity and when I told him I was taking that Irish storytelling class he was like oh that's so great like oh my god that's so that's interesting that you're doing that because I think it's interesting that I am have such a, a longing to learn about this culture for him because he is Irish and he came here right um, for like an education and like um and then had a family here. So it's interesting that I feel the the pull to go back. Um and then and then also, I mean, it, I think it, I think it's just kind of natural. Like he's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Because my uncle, he's also a witch, um, and so we've got that blood in us, mm-hmm. um, or a Wiccan. Um, and so it's just like, yeah, that makes sense that you're doing that. <laughs> yeah, like it's in your it's in your calling. It is. Does he is he able to share um, with you not anything of his involvement, but just of the land and the people that helps you on your journey? He, um, he hasn't shared too much about the land, um, but he, he, he's, so he's a writer and, um, he, 
he definitely has passed on some of the modern um, Irish writers and like that's what he definitely feels is a very strong part of being Irish is the like I mean the gift of the gab is a part of it but also just like the written word oh yes poetry yes. and all that absolutely stuff very intertwined with my family's culture on my mom's side as well like Same. my my grandparents met over a poem Oh my God, I love this. Bro, you, you don't even know. Like, <laughs> Tell me the story. No, I love it. My mother was I a writer. I'm a writer and I would love to hear the story. Yes, please. Okay, okay. So my grandparents met. Um, my grandpa was throwing a party together and he needed to find some girls to go to the party. And so he like contacted his friend. I think his nickname was Pickles. Mm-hmm. And so Pickles, like, you got a couple girls to go, uh, I think three. And then when they were picking them up, um, two, I think one of them, like, dropped off, like, oh, actually, I can't go. And that was, like, my grandma's friend. So my grandma was just, like, kind of going into this party, um, like, with not as much solidarity as she would have liked. Um, right. And so... And so she went with my grandpa and my grandpa's friend uh, to this party and um, at this place called the Mouse Trap. And so my grandma being like kind of very small woman, like she's like, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. I seriously don't know. And so she kind of like has her book and she's like a little bit like has her guard up. And um, but she goes to this party and she like finds corner and like sits down and like starts to read at the party while people are like you know doing their music thing and um and my grandpa he starts to tell like an epic poem (laughs) um to like the party as like like a party piece or whatever yeah and um because my also my great grandma like that's something she really instilled into him she was she's like she was from Ireland she's like we're going to learn poetry and you're going to tell it back to me. Absolutely. And so my grandpa was telling a poem to a bunch of ladies to show off. And um, it, the poem is called The Hounds of Heaven. Um, nice. I like that. It's, it's a cool, it's a cool poem. I, I, it's, it's a really long poem. <laughs> Personally, I don't really care for it, but I also love the romanticness. Right. Um, but right. So he like, he's telling this poem and, um, and he's like, okay. And he gets about like, 75 percent of the way through and he's like okay actually that's all I know of it till I've memorized so far and my grandma steps up from the corner of the room and she actually finishes the poem dear god I'm in love like she puts him in his place and like finishes the poem and like front of all of the ladies and then he asks her for a dance and they dance dear god that is absolutely beautiful and what a love story that is yeah. And and it's true, like prose and poetry is such a part of the culture, right? My mother was a writer. I write at every chance that I can get. Poetry was like my first love of reading. And my mom put that into me, right? And like mm-hmm. the Grimm's tale, and I pass that on to my children. And I have like all of the great Irish poets because it's it is a beautiful way of connecting. Mm-hmm. to the culture, even when you're so far removed from it, right? Like that's mm-hmm. part of that ancestral healing, like 
cooking the food, traditional food, right? Reading some traditional prose and poetry and connecting with the ancestors. And that does create a really deep healing and knowing these sorts of stories, right? Mm -hmm. And not having those tales or having been placed into a country or brought or came to a come to a country that forces you to suppress that is violent in and of Mm -hmm. itself right and literally violent right like don't tell tales don't speak like that you know lose your brogue and that like my grandmother sounded proper irish like there was no escaping that and she did not try to code switch and sound american she was very much about being Irish and like living as she saw fit. Um, So I really appreciated that from her. And I look back on that because she passed when I was younger, but I look back on the women that I come from and I'm like, there's zero way that I would want to be removed from that. Like, and Mm -hmm. it's so important to get back to that and to know exactly who you are. And like I said, for me on both sides, I look at my grands on both sides and I'm like, these women are spectacular. These Mm -hmm. women survived hell. And for me, that story of Osin and St. Patrick was that. Mm-hmm. The opening of that portal and the old gods coming through was like, yes, let the ancestors come back. Let mm-hmm. them take back their truth, their story, their land. It mm-hmm. does not belong to you. And for me, when you connect in that way, you can understand how the indigenous of America feel, right? Like <laughs> you have your own land, your own tales, your own deities. You don't need to co-opt and appropriate anyone else's if you heal. And that for me is a major goal with white people getting their mm-hmm. ancestral healing because it's so important because as long as whiteness as a system survives, it is going to constantly be violent. It will constantly oppress those that look like them and can fit into the system and oppress those that don't even more, right? Through mm-hmm any violence that it can find, physical, systemic, and there's no way out of this trauma loop because that's what it is. It's trauma, drama over and over and over again. Like you said, like with your dad being in the IRA, that would be very triggering for some, right? And there's tons of history there. I'm not gonna get into that here. That's I, not I just my got story. Not my story to tell, that's for you to find out. But also when you start learning about those things, think about the pressure that it took to have to be a part of certain spaces, right? Um, And always holding multiple truths to be real. It's not, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be right, wrong, good, bad. It can be multiple truths at the same time time and that's so mm-hmm. important especially in dismantling white supremacy because mm-hmm. it's violent to it's not even faithful to those who it's supposedly meant to protect it really is just an expansion of power like mm-hmm. you said with you know they became white then the italians then the greeks then the jewish people and it's just expanding it's that's how it's, that's why it's white supremacy. 
because numbers, right? So like, as you start stretching out those numbers, and if you encompass all of these ethnic groups, you have the higher number to stay on top, but it's at the cost of your own history, your own self, and being violent to yourself and oppressed people are going to oppress people. Mm -hmm. So then they step out into the rest of the world and oppress as well. That is why for me, ancestral healing is so super duper important specifically for white people, not that us as black people of the diaspora don't also need it. I think that we just started this journey much longer ago than white America, right? I think they're just waking up to it, where you'll see as you go back through African traditional religions, that even when we came on this land, we maintained as much of our culture as we possibly could in a land that was not meant to do so. And then where we couldn't, we still created some, like I said, like in Hoodoo, in Voodoo, we were able to keep it under the radar of Catholicism, right? Mm -hmm. Using those saints that they stole from the pagans and other, you know, ethnic Europeans, and then kind of placing our traditions in there. So for white people to start waking up now and start being like, wait, wait a minute, right? Wait, because the church is the real first colonizer who took all of your original magic is something so imperative. Um, I wanted to ask, because I did ask you about your dad and you answered, but where does your mom land? Because that's a very difficult thing to accept, right? Like, okay, yes, I'm Irish. And like, there's some people that are just like comfortable, like I'm not white, I'm Irish, right? Mm -hmm. um, but can she accept both identities? Like, yes, you are Irish, but you do recognize that you show up in this world, in this system as a white woman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she's very much so a white woman uh, in the way that she shows up in the world. Uh, and she's also very much so keeps that Irish tradition. Like we do, um, I don't know, she's really into singing and um, like Irish music and stuff like I that. I love it. And that's like my whole family is. Um, but also, I mean, and then we've got the bad parts of the Irish American. I don't know if it's, it's, I wouldn't call it tradition, but like when I said like the scarcity complex for me, because that is something that is so deep within her and all of my aunts, um, like it's just so deep of just feeling like you don't have enough. Um, yeah. And you won't have enough. Uh, and it's very survival instinct and it's always taking and, fear um but right so like she's a, she's also very supportive of um me and curious and I think wants to go through this journey with me and I want that too um That's uh, beautiful. yeah and I think she's open to that she just also I mean it's hard but like there are some stuff that she still may not be able to hear fully from me yet even though I may say it um and that's like um it's kind of like a like a kind of about the scarcity complex mm -hmm. um is I don't think she sees that within herself yet like she's down to do the cultural learning and like all that stuff but to kind of really look within yourself and seeing the trauma that has come from 
being Irish American uh, and sacrificing a part of your culture, even though we do, we have tried to like keep it alive and stuff. Um, like still like even so like my family also we own like an apartment building I think it has like three apartments like a triple decker mm -hmm. and so also being like of a family of landlords and like continuing um kind of and like a mini oppressive system within owning property and renting renting it out to people like right. that in myself like she has not seen that look she can't see it yet and and, <laughs> and um and there are parts of it that I probably can't see yet for sure, because that's very human. Um, but just her as a person, she's definitely open to a lot of the intellectual learning, but I don't know. I think we just have to move slowly and tenderly for the heart um, learning about, because right. there's probably some deep stuff there that I don't even know about. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and generational so, trauma is really deep. It's and to touch at that, it's still very tender, right? Because even the terminology landlord exactly should trigger something in you as a colonized group coming from a colonized group, and maybe some of that will open up for her as mm -hmm. she learns what landlords were and what that did to her own people, mm -hmm. and. Ooh, I should I should definitely bring that like legitimate terminology into it for right, sure. That conversation. Right. That should definitely like when I hear that term, it like literally brings up angst, right? Like the lord mm -hmm. of the land and like the yeah. owning of the land. Yeah. And as Irish people, that was not the indigenous Irish people did not believe in that sort of lifestyle, right? But you have to get to that learning like i because i think that we only recognize american first nations as indigenous people i think that that's where mm -hmm. there's a disconnect right like these are the only indigenous people of the world and it's like no this just happens to be the indigenous people of this land but <laughs> every single land has its own indigenous people mm -hmm. and those indigenous people had practices and it's why celtic magic is so about the earth it was still caring for the land all of us come from indigenous people that cared for the land mm -hmm. and were not about this massive expansion of owning mm -hmm. and it was when you know that roman empire decided well you know what we're gonna go from this small little place and like take over all of these lands that this concept was introduced in such a really violent way, right? Mm -hmm. And then it created that scarcity energy. So then now others have to go out and take and hoard. And for me, that is the culture of whiteness. It is about yeah. hoarding as much as you can because, well, I have to be worried about myself, my children, their children, their children wow. after, because somebody will come and take it. and. You see that play out in when, you know, white Americans will even vote against their own benefits when Literally. it comes to certain legislations because they can't see it. And it's like, you're still perpetuating that generational trauma. 
that is coming up for you and you're operating from that space instead of like you said i love how you said like intellectually you could understand your connection to being irish but your heart it's an irish heart that matters right like it's the love of the land it's the love of the people that really connects you that really makes you proper irish is loving the land and the people no matter where you are no matter how many generations you are separated and that love of the land and the people extends then to other lands and other people mm -hmm. and when we're operating from a mode of love energy opposed to that fear energy it shifts the paradigm completely and you start disagreeing with the current system that's in place because it can't exist because you recognize that this is the same system that has oppressed who you are who you were and your own family right mm -hmm. like i was speaking with another woman uh yesterday just last night who was speaking about she's actually from the county in which my family's from uh, my family we're from county sligo and she was like cool. my thank you uh she was like my family's from there too and i was like oh my god that's like so cool right what an amazing connection like here on TikTok, and um she went on and like in the past her family were chiefs right and they now in the current state are obviously not chiefs and like trying to speak to her family in regard to how we went from here to there has been such a healing journey for her as well and but you see that trauma show up right and and you see that trauma show up in the irish stereotypes right oh they drink they party and it's like yeah you probably would drink to try to forget the hell you just escaped you know what i mean and like and these coping mechanisms that come up within you know i'm not saying no one else goes through it i just speak to who my own people are right like the coping mechanisms that come up from being oppressed from being colonized from being brutalized and they show up in all of these ways this is generational trauma showing up in our bodies right like the body will always remember it mm -hmm. it exists there it doesn't go anywhere bloodline is our connection to that pain and trauma so mm -hmm. i'm excited for where this goes with your mom and i would love for you to keep me updated i will that. yeah because it's a different ball game like i said as she's a white woman in america and that's a mindset that's not and that's she's not, in that mindset yeah that's not just a complexion that is absolutely a mindset that has to be shift right like a paradigm shift has to happen a connection has to happen and it happens to be a connection to the land and it can't be this land like that's what i'm explaining with white people like this is not your land the connection can't be here with this land even for us as black people and now i'm not i can't speak for you know um black people who are also native black people I'm not saying that as a disclaimer but the connection to this land is not ours right this is not our home this is not <laughs> our people and when you connect back to your land and to your people you will give a damn about the land that you're in now like you will respect the fact that you are a visitor here and mm -hmm. you are now 
hoarding the resources of a place like you wouldn't walk into someone's house and then just like open their fridge, raid it and then leave and shit on their floor on your way out. It would be rude. And that's basically what happens with the system of whiteness in America. Yeah. It comes in and destroys and takes and it's violent as hell. And that's really white culture. I also, I saw this TikTok from a native uh, Hawaiian recently uh talking about like cutting down the trees there is different for her specifically because it's not just like you're cutting down trees it's like you are cutting down like her ancestors died on this land and then the fungi i'm an i'm studying ecology so i also care a lot about the thank you um and um and it's like your bodies fed the trees right so these trees are you it's not correct like you are the land when it comes to that point and that isn't true here for us and I mean one of the amazing things that, that I love about the stories in all of the Irish mythology is like it's often tied to specific points uh, in Ireland, like um, mm-hmm. they referenced a specific hill for where like Fionn McCool's homestead was or something like that. And mm-hmm. it's like Oshin went back there and he like was searching for his father. And like, it's it's different when you are indigenous to that space. And so that's like one of the reasons I feel such a pull to go back there. Um, and just like, like um, when you were talking, I had a lot of thoughts also about like the Fianna um, Mm -hmm. and how they would live off of the land and um, how they would like also be they were like known as like the protectors of Ireland uh, like a band of warriors protecting and it's just like I don't know it's so beautiful and also I just had lots of thoughts like I was writing down some stuff yeah share share that's what the conversation Um, is for um also, I have a thought on um, like trees, right? And like holding yeah. my mixed identity is it's very interesting that you brought up trees because I feel like that like, so there's this conversation that needs to also be had between natives and then the enslaved Africans of mm-hmm. America because we are very much a part of this land mm. as well. Um, though it may not be our indigenous land. We did not come here voluntarily. And when you say trees, I think about that, like where I live in Atlanta, I drive past like these oaks. And every time I see them, I'm like, how many ancestors hung from them? Mm-hmm. How many were tied, beaten, raped, abused under them? How mm-hmm. much of my ancestors' blood has soaked this ground has been buried in this land and fertilized this earth, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And that's a conversation, but thank you for bringing that back to my attention because I actually had planned um, a healing journey and I want to, I'm still trying to get in touch with the family. There's a family that owns property here in Georgia that has like the largest oak like living and I'm like I would love to make like 
a trip there with like a bunch of people and like just sit at that tree and like pray, meditate, bring whatever people's higher powers and heal that space because mm -hmm. each oak is tied to that oak, right? Um, because there's a lot of generational trauma for us here as Black people as well. Mm -hmm. And when our pain is dismissed within that community or our claims to this land is dismissed, it is also very hurtful. But that's not the conversation for here. But thank you for bringing that to mind. I turn it mm -hmm. back to you yeah. to discuss your like, notes. And like, I mean, just the healing around the um, those trees is so important. And also just like so deep on a different level because it's like, that is so typical of whiteness to ruin something uh, trees like trees <laughs> like you fucking kidding me like yeah like i'm like i see these things on like next door and facebook and they're like oh these beautiful trees and i'm like it's it's a very interesting it is a very polarized world in America, right? Like white people are looking at the trees and loving it. And black people are like, I wonder how many of my ancestors hung from them. Um, yeah. And it's not a realization that white people often connect to. And, no, we don't. and that's my point is that the, it's the disconnect from your own land. Like mm -hmm. if you were connected to your land, if you thought about, like you said, I love that you're you know, speaking about it from an ecological standpoint, like if your ancestors, blood, body, suffering, fed mm -hmm. literally that oak tree that you're like oh what a lovely tree i don't even want to have picnics under trees in the south like it's it's mm -hmm. literally a traumatic event mm -hmm. and i used to love i'm from new york city i used to love picnicking under trees and not saying that it didn't happen there but saying that the south is obviously well renowned for its brutal treatment of black mm -hmm. bodies and its violence against black bodies and I'm sitting at a tree in the South is honestly traumatic. But again, I turn it back to you, so that. Um, before we move on, I definitely also want to send you this um, webinar I went to with that the Arboretum. Um, it was like, it was like three weeks just celebrating pecan trees. Um, and there was a, she talked specifically about and went through um, just an account of multiple, some of them were enslaved people and they were also um, foragers and just naturalists in themselves. She was talking about them as just very educated people on the land. Um, mm -hmm. And she also talked about the history of the violence tied to pecan trees and, um, but also how they used the fruits from the trees to survive and like, uh, also escape or like to hide in them. But I'm gonna send you that. That's for definitely a different time. Please do, that sounds very interesting. I think that I hopefully that helps you in your journey. Um, and, but yeah. And I guess also just kind of thinking about when you were talking about coping mechanisms of oppression and obviously drinking kind of came into it. That was one of the notes I wrote down because I mm -hmm. also family of alcoholics like my, I think most it's a, an unfortunate true stereotype right yeah, like a lot true. of stereotypes are based in truth and we have to kind of mm -hmm. recognize that and then recognize the cause of that yeah and, 
And so right now I'm also, I'm quitting weed right now. I, so it's not like alcohol, but I notice how I will use that drug to escape and not feel my feelings. Mm-hmm. And so very similarly, um, my grandparents would use it to escape and not deal with the responsibilities that they needed to do and would like neglect their children. Um, and so I've just also been thinking about in my journey of letting, hopefully letting go that instinct, literal instinct to drink or do drugs when you're even just bored, like, yeah. like it's raining outside. It's so fucking boring today. Like, I just want to do something. Um, Absolutely. and like, um, I don't know. It's definitely not easy to let go that instinct. Um, And so I don't think it's going to just be like that. But like uh, that was just definitely something I was thinking about is um, and also just like I wonder like what part of the tissue and the body that lives in or like where that comes from, because like that's so deep in Irish history. Like, I mean, it literally a part of being Irish was resisting colonization. Like when it it came down to it, like that's in your bones. And so there's a part of me that is so incredulously surprised. I don't know if I use that word right, but like, I I mean, I understood what you were saying. So for me, that's effective (laughs) communication. Communication was there. That's Um, all that matters. And that's what my mom says too. And so, um, Wait, where was I? Oh, I'm just so surprised that Irish people did, like I'm surprised and I'm not surprised that they sacrificed that part of them to resist colonization and resist oppression when they came to America. Like I I get it because they were so beaten down. I mean, it took a while, it didn't happen. instantaneously right like they didn't get off the boat and like okay fair enough we're white now um so I don't want to make it seem like that either right but like like you said beaten down is a very good word right like it's exhausting it's if you get out of one abusive relationship and then you go flee to somebody else and they're like hey I'll help you come stay with me and then they start kicking your ass too it's like oh my god I'm like where do I go? Like, what do I do at this point in time? You know? And it's like, if it's not as bad as the other one, you may stay a little bit longer, right? Like, you know what, Mm -hmm. this is just kind of what I have to do. It's just survival, right? We're right Mm -hmm. back at fear and survival mode and scarcity mode. So I don't want to perpetuate like they came over here and jumped straight away into whiteness because they didn't, they resisted as much as they could, you know? They kept, you know, whatever traditions that they could, but when they realized that there was power within their system of whiteness and they could do that, they, they brought it over. They brought, you know, their, like, because remember, again, they were already colonized, right? So, like, the Irish that came over here were not the, the Celtic mythologists. They weren't the, mm-hmm. the Irish pagans. They were already colonized. They were mm-hmm. already the Irish Catholic by that time, right? So, they came over as a conquered people. So they had already accepted some level of colonization. Mm. So to come over then and 
what the hell are they going to, to do? What, what, what were they going to become? They had already been colonized in their own land. So, okay, well, let's just, let, let's just keep the party rolling kind of thing. Let's do what we learned how to do. Right. So now, you know, they're establishing the Catholic Church here like it's going out of style. I mean, look at it. Like people who aren't even Catholic go to Catholic schools, right? Like Mm -hmm. if that's not indoctrination and nationalism of the Roman Catholic Church, I, I, I don't even know a better explanation, especially like I said, I come from New York City and that's home of the immigrant, right? So when you find most people that I know that grew up were either Catholic and even if they were not Catholic, still went to Catholic schools because it was considered better education than the public school and it was cheaper than private education. So it fell right there in that middle ground. So um, I think there's a couple of layers there as well. Please continue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just also because that just also points out some of the education I need to be doing of like the, when you said like it didn't happen overnight, like absolutely you're right it didn't happen overnight uh and it wouldn't just happen overnight that quickly uh, i guess maybe ooh, another thought i had earlier on when you were talking about holding multiple truths um that's something um that i've loved about some of the candlelit's tale stories is that they really do try to set up uh a like like it, in the in the story with saint patrick it was interesting seeing my own prejudices come in against like Christianity and like Catholicism because of the way they did present St. Patrick as a very uh, kind of equality type guy. Right, right. Um, And I appreciate that because that is like tied to the origination, like before, um, before Christianity was like institutionalized. uh, I do think that was like a part of the philosophy of it um like equality i I want to say that at no point in time was it about equality was it not for me for me this is you know my christianity and the formation of religion was always about nationalism about creating a nation that is what religions do is create a nation which is nationalism right so when you have jesus and you crucified him then the romans crucified him you know brutally beat him like i mean look at the look at the history of how things repeat themselves right like the violence and the brutality of the romans still playing itself out on recently colonized you know, Africans, when, you know, throwing people to the wolves, beating them until the skin comes off, crucifying, like this was normal practice. Jesus's death was not special. That's why there were two others on his side, if you choose Mm -hmm. to believe the story, right? Like crucifixion, crucifying (laughs) was a thing to do. Um, So for me, Christianity was always about creating a nation right because the romans when you think about it the romans were sitting down and watching jesus gain this power over the people over poor people like when you're really looking at this the story keeps playing out here we are two thousand years later and you still have a government right like that is that exploits the poor and you still have people that try to share that and create a space of freedom from that poverty and 
they murdered them. Like, this is not, Mm -hmm. this is, you know, JFK, MLK, Malcolm X, Fred Hampton. Like, these, these are not new practices, nothing new under the sun. So when they were able to kill someone like Jesus, who was a Hebrew Jew, taking over, you know, the people, and Jesus wasn't even like on, he was a revolutionary, but he was like, give them what they're supposed to do, but don't lose your soul in the process, right? Like, this is not how you have to be living. So he's causing this uproar and and disrupting the system of Rome. And Mm -hmm. so they kill him and they're like, oh shit, what a perfect opportunity. Hmm, (laughs) insert Mm -hmm. evil laugh, to take over this person, co-opt it, appropriate it, and make it ours. Mm -hmm. And expand, right? the reach of the Roman Empire. So now you have the creation of the Roman Catholic Church and the the worshiping of Christianity. And that Mm -hmm. created a nation of people through religion. Now we're Christians. And so they can implement, oh, you're downtrodden, abused, et cetera, but just serve this one holy God and you will have riches in heaven. And Mm -hmm. they distract you from what's kind of going on. So for me, religion was always created for nationalism. Mm -hmm. And you see that play out inside of white supremacy, right? Like it's really Christian supremacy, like the Mm -hmm. one true God, the one nation, indivisible under God, that is nationalism at its core, but continue. I am also thinking like before, before I guess, I also, I'm also one of the only people in my family who didn't get confirmed. So I'm not extremely well educated. Yeah, just the divorce, it just like timed up. So it just like skipped me. So gotcha. uh, I kind of got lucky with that maybe. Um, But (laughs) I um, made it through all my sacraments. You got lucky. No, it's a lot of work. I I really enjoyed the rituals of Catholicism and in my own spirituality practice, I put them into place. But when you really start paying attention to it, it's literally the rituals that they took over from pagans. If you if you really want to be interesting and have some little fun facts, get you a Catholic calendar and trace all of the Catholic holidays to their original people, and you will see how it colonized and took from those people. That's cool. I'll do that. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's very very interesting. I to guess see the I correlation. was also- uh, thinking about before Christianity even became Christianity, you know, before the Romans co-opted it, before it became a religion, as you are talking about it, when even before it was, and so like when it was kind of back with just Jesus. So this is also me talking uneducated, whatever. Please stop calling yourself uneducated. Like okay, you, I will. you are, we are conversing, we are learning and we are all True. on a journey. Like an education is another colonized idea, right? Like when you had people philosophizing and sitting around and just chatting, making like, people feel like making me feel like I can't speak because I'm not the most educated person. Right. That that's definitely learned from institutionalized education. Right absolutely, there. you are absolutely educated to the level in which you are educated too, and mm-hmm. you are still seeking. So, and we all are. I don't care if somebody has three PhDs; you still don't yeah. know every damn thing, and that's wisdom—is knowing that you don't know a damn thing. So, carry on. 
Okay, cool. So I guess when I'm thinking about like um, just Jesus and like maybe his like uh, circle of followers, um, when it was just his philosophy of, um, I guess like just being kind to the poor, you know, like that's what I'm thinking about before uh, Roman church like co-opted it. Um, and like, I, in the story, I feel like St. Patrick is more of the, in the story that we listened to, yes. uh, um, St. Patrick is more of that vibe, like, um, bef- like before it was like institutionalized. Did you also, did you listen to the conversation that, um, Surika and- No, I meant Aaron to, and I, I will today, but it's interesting you felt that way about St. Patrick in the story, because I did I not, only so felt, continue. I only felt that way after I listened to the discussion, because I okay. didn't feel that way before. And so that's why I asked, because a lot of the stuff I'm saying comes from what they said. Right. Um, and because, well, first of all, I mean, that's what I felt slightly. Mostly what I loved from that story was Oshin and how he pushed back. Like when he, when, uh, when, when St. Patrick was like, he's like, okay, when they finally like kind of become friends at the end and uh, St. Patrick is like convincing him to convert to Christianity to like save his soul or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, Oshin is like, well, is is this hound that I killed earlier in this story, is he going to go to heaven? And St. Patrick's like, no, no <laughs> animals don't have souls. And then Oshin's like, I don't know. About that. yeah. So that's messed up. And then Oshin's like, will the Fianna, like, will my family be in heaven? And St. Patrick's like, no, they were pagans. They're going to go to hell. And then Oshin's right? like, you don't even know my family, dude. Like, if the Fianna if like we're talking about the Fianna here so like yeah. if based off how long you say they've been there they've already overthrown the leader of hell and are ruling it themselves and that's like <laughs> that's my favorite line of the story and it's like the la- one of the last lines because it's just like it's so badass like that's such it's a- really badass but see that is that's the culture i grew up on right like my mother right. always that's let like, me know that's like the irish revolutionary that exactly. had to be crushed in order to become white say that again that's the irish revolutionary that needed to become crushed in order to become white that part and that is such a significant truth to come to they literally had to. And then when you go back to it being a part and parcel of Christian supremacy, it's exactly what they did to Jesus, right? And then we don't even look at the fact that Jesus was a whole Hebrew Jew. So obviously his philosophies came from, even if it's not from Jewish beliefs of today, I mean, I, I, I pretty much believe that it is, right? Like it's still their lifestyle now. Like being Jewish is an ethno religion. It is a part of mm-hmm. their life, their ethnicity. It is not simply a thing that they do. It is a lifestyle that they lead. And you saw that in the story of Jesus. And they were like, this is not gonna work. They had to kill the revolutionary and make him white. Mm -hmm. And they made a white savior. And we are literally living in that same system now, all having been 
quashed, quelled, the revolutionary, killed, beaten, robbed, raped, stolen out of you to become what the system requires of you in order for the system to remain in power. Mm-hmm. And that for me wow. is where we're at. That's That seriously is where we're at. And it's like repeated so many times in so many different ways like that comparison kind of as the way they crushed what you literally just said of like crushed the actual image of Jesus and made him white uh is like kind of like crushing the Irish revolutionary and And making it white it just keeps doing the same thing in the system robbery for power absolutely for power and for control. Mm -hmm. And that is how white supremacy takes from everyone, white Mm -hmm. people included. And it's why deep ancestral healing is needed in a major way Mm -hmm. because all of us can uphold the tenets of white supremacy by continually feeding into the system and continually giving power to the system of whiteness. Okay, so when I was listening to the story of Oshin and St. Patrick, I was immediately activated at the very beginning when Mm -hmm. Patrick was sitting down speaking about, you know, his one true God, because it automatically becomes dismissive, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so only your God, nobody else's God, the Fianna, mean nothing you know you're in my land telling me about my people my family and Mm, one literally true god and that is the violence of christian supremacy like what did you think about that no i mean i feel like dismissive is the exact word that oshin felt when he was even talking to saint patrick because saint patrick would dismiss all of the dramatic stuff that he would say about yeah I actually have seen a bird bigger than the cattle that you guys are serving here it was so beautiful and when St. Patrick called him a liar he's like oh no oh no 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 you don't even know what like and also like I'm my family's the Fianna like we are the ancient warriors protectors of Ireland and now here in this place of the one true God, we're remembered as a band of thieves. Like, It's gross. It erases your history completely. So dismissive. So dismissive. And I, I, it's a good point to bring up like what you said, like when Oshin was like, you know, I've seen birds bigger than your cattle that you're serving, right? It, it plays for me into that scarcity abundance Mm -hmm. energy right Mm -hmm. like with that colonization of you know christian supremacy came scarcity right like even Mm -hmm. think about like with the the priests needing to take this like vow of piety and like have so very little but it's very interesting how the servants of this one true god need to live so piously but the vatican of the Roman Catholic Church Mm. is living quite high on the hog with golden shoes and that. So it's it's a very interesting take on how they gave us poverty and scarcity. And Mm. the original people that Oshin is speaking of, of Ireland, 
like for me, right? Like maybe the birds weren't that big, but it speaks to the abundance. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. no, I should surely have an entire skillet of fry bread. I should surely have an entire churn of butter because yeah. this land is abundant. Yeah, I, like, can, I can have these. I can have that because we continually produce and create because we we are one with the land. And because we take care of her, she increases us right like that's divine feminine energy feminine energy increases us right when you think of a divine woman and that or like the womb the 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 earth that things were planted into brings forth life that is Mm -hmm. abundance and when you bring in the one true god from the roman catholic belief system all of a sudden you are introducing this patriarchal cruel overlord of a man masculine energy that is now stripping all of the abundance why am i just having a cup of soup Mm -hmm. i'm confused because Mm -hmm. and they also like they gain pride from having just the cup of soup they gain pride from like starving themselves correct like and um honestly that's something that I think I should talk to my dad about because he is an atheist now, but he grew up in the Catholic church and actually became a monk, like a, a Catholic monk at one mm-hmm. point left the church. But he, I still see how he kind of like likes to be cold sometimes. Yeah. Like he'll yeah. just be in the attic, like just cold. Yeah. And I'm like, don't Suffering. you want to like blanket? Like, yeah. why are you forcing yourself through this? Because suffering um, brings you closer to God exactly and it's an interesting like I don't know how I feel about that yet you know like sometimes I've definitely sat outside without a a jacket on and like I don't know I'm shivering maybe I have like a spiritual moment or something but Mm -hmm. I don't know about (laughs) I would turn around and say that the spiritual moment is asking God for salvation right (laughs) like if you're freezing it's not here's what it is It, it it creates a cruel God. It creates a controlling patriarchal Where they God. Have Correct. It does not create a loving, abundant, giving uh, God, right? It does not. When you remove the divine goddess and you replace it with a cruel overlord of uh, a ruler, more so than a loving father if we're going to go like with the father mother you know divinity masculine feminine like it is i'm going to sit here and freeze so that i could have a closer moment to you when the old ways were like maybe we should have some really warm nice you know campfire you know let's burn some things let's have some really good sex let's have Mm -hmm. some orgasms and get closer to god in this connection of love instead of let's get closer to god in our connection of starvation hunger pain and suffering right Mm -hmm. and there are like those catholic monks and there's even deeper factions that like you know whip themselves and bring yeah, about the self-castration yes and bring about physical Wait, pain that... not castration but self-flagellation uh, <laughs> in order Hardly. to bring no i mean like they they i mean people were castrated they as well to serve yeah. so i just don't think that it was self-inflicted um but it was people actually did volunteer which goes to the 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 conquering and colonization of the mind, 
right? Mm -hmm. And separating from the original ways of the land where mm -hmm. we were closer to God and goddess in the ways of connecting, like I said, through, you know, bonfires, you know, planting, caring for the land, you know, also like song, that dance, all of this beautiful connection down to suffering. Yeah, and like that knowledge of knowing how to be abundant with the land, because, or at least in the story, because um, when St. Patrick called um, Oshin a liar after he said that about how he's seen a bird bigger than um, like the cattle, he like did this elaborate process to like um, summon these birds that were huge. And then he like raised or like trained a hound to like catch the bird. Mm -hmm. like that knowledge of the step-by-step -step process of of conjure. summoning those birds that's conjure that that's, is conjuring that is magic like, just like passed down knowledge I think that's also kind of like tied to like that indigenous knowledge of like being so in touch with the land and being there with your family for like eons or whatever and just like and then he and then it was so funny when he like showed him this bird. He's like, St. Patrick, how big do you think this bird is? And St. Patrick's like, oh, oh, um, that seems to be actually bigger than one of the cattle that we have here. <laughs> right. And to imagine seeing some, imagine calling yourself a Catholic or a Christian yeah. at the time. Um, or, well, I mean, it was Catholic, but imagine calling yourself a Christian and believing in the in. miracles of God. Hello. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, my bad. No worries. Imagine calling yourself a Christian and seeing that miracle happen before you and still not believing. Literally. It's very interesting when you start dissecting indigenous practices from any land, you know, specifically we're talking about Ireland in an Irish myth and lore. And I really don't even like to call it myth and lore because then it still makes it seem like it's like this falseness, right? Like, but when you're talking about Irish traditions and like you could see this happen before you still be dismissive of the magic of the people and the land there and then still want to not believe that the magic that they possess comes from a God as well. Maybe it's not your God, but why would you want to kill that? Why would you want to say, no, 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 no. You need to like, stop doing that and accept this smaller bird because this one true God is providing you with this bird. But then why is it this greater bird, right? Like. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about like that whole idea of like, you know, a bird in a hand beats two in a bush kind of thing. Like, mm -hmm. why would you not want the larger one? And why would you not want the gnosis and knowledge of this magic? And we could always live abundantly because we can conjure this up for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it is so insidious, like that Christian supremacy. So that's, that was like a main part for me in the story of Ocene and St. Patrick. And like you said, like calling him a liar and rebranding the Fianna as bandits and thieves instead of telling their true story of being protectors of the land mm -hmm. is 
colonization at its core. Like, I can't even think yeah. of another description like of it. It's also like the process of convincing the surrounding people that the land is not abundant, or at least that's what's been partially for me. Um, like I used to think that Ireland, like, oh, the land is not, must not be fertile or something there. Like, right. I was not educated. Like, oh, why are these people having a famine? Or like, you know, I didn't know the actual yeah, things the were British going was stealing on. it. Oh. <laughs> and then it's like, actually they were so, the lit Ireland was so abundant. Like that's why it was colonized by the British. Um, and so that's kind of like, or at least, at least like with, with St. Patrick in that story, like finding out that you were wrong about this. And actually that story that we listened to is 18 minutes. There's like much longer versions of- Oh no, was- I listened to like the 45 minute one. Oh, you listened, which one was that? Oh my it's gosh. There. Yeah, no, it's there. You need to listen Whoa, to that one. I, to I did not, one. no ma'am. I listened and it was like 40 minutes long. I will send Whoa. you the link to it. Yeah, And it. cause like I said, I guess that's where like, cause for me, like the first like 15 minutes I was completely and utterly activated. And I was like, surely this person did not send me this like to dismiss Wait what I was saying oh my God. about Which, celebrating St. Patrick. I'm, well, I'm so gonna, curious on what you listen to, because this I is am so going to have funny to send it to we, you. we have different resources right now. Absolutely, um, and it came from the same place. It came from there, yeah, I, think I just- They redo the stories. Right, I scrolled I through there and I'll look. I did scroll through because I had not seen your notification with the YouTube link that you had sent. And I just scrolled through until I saw um, O'Sheen and St. Patrick. And the one that I listened to was like 40 minutes long. So it was about 15 minutes of um, St. Patrick kind of just blabbering about like faith and like the one true God. So it was- so different. Okay, so in the story- Very activating. It started with Oshin meeting uh, a woman from Tirnanog, Neve. Oh, no. And, oh my God, you need to listen to that story that I sent you because he goes to Tirnanog, which is like the, the other world, like yeah. the land of the mist. Um, and he is there and like has children there and he accidentally spends too much time there to the point of where he when he goes back to Ireland his entire family is dead and like probably hundreds of years has passed um but yeah and there's like a whole bunch of symbolism about like a white horse and like when he gets off the white horse oh my okay I will go back and listen to that I am sending you this link right now because this was an hour long and like I said it was like 15 minutes of St. Patrick banging on in the beginning in regard to like the one true God in that. And I was like, surely, oh, no. you know, they did not send me this. And like, I'm literally talking about how I don't celebrate no. St. Patrick's because it's the colonization of my people. Oh my God, no. And I was like, I, I was like, but I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to give it a chance. And I, I sat through it. I did, and I was like, "But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a chance, and I'm gonna listen to the story." And it turned out to be lovely. But I, I did place this link here in the chat. 
Um, but it was very interesting. But I will listen to your one that you heard too, because I did not. Um, I did not hear about that one. Yeah. Yeah, that one's a nice it's it's going to be short and sweet in comparison to the one that you listened to okay i'll check that one out too but this one listen to it because and it was meant that i listened to that longer one right because it was really because i do really like the multiple truths idea so it was though it was activating hearing patrick bang on for about 11 minutes um, oh my god and you thought that i that's how i thought about saint patrick correct so i was like okay i had no, to breathe no, no, no. In the and settle in and i was like i'm going to trust that this is not what this person intended and so i listened to it and i continued <clears throat> i paused for a moment because i needed to gather myself from being activated in it and then i was like okay let's go and i finished it and like i said it was about an hour long so it was really it goes even more in depth and I will share that when I share the podcast as well, because it goes more in depth onto both sides of these stories, right? And it kind of goes into the tale of how um, O'Sheen is living with St. Patrick in the New Ireland, and yeah. right, um, and kind of living in this scarcity that has now been created because i guess like when you said when he left there was this you know the fianna's running everything there's abundant land the indigenous irish are there right and he comes back and it's like this scarcity and we're living under um roman rule right because i think like going back to what you said where <clears throat> the british colonized prior to the british invasion <laughs> <laughs> pun intended um that <coughs> prior to the british invasion roman catholics colonized right like because catholicism was introduced well before british rule was and really yeah. i believe that the romans really just rebranded themselves into Britain because at one point in time, Britain was a part of the Roman Empire. And I believe that as things fell off, they maintained their power within Britain and within the Roman Catholic Church. Like, but that's just my belief, mm -hmm. right? Like, because if they colonized Britain, that means they were in power. So it was quite easy to just now because that's what supremacy does, just take upon the identity of the Brits, right? And so they remained in certain places that they could have a stronghold on, and Ireland being one of them. And the Roman Catholic Church was, you know, the seat and the start of it all. And it still lives today. I mean, the Vatican lives by its own rules inside of an entire country. There's zero way that you could explain to me that that's not an empire and they call themselves the Roman Catholic Church. So it is absolutely the seat of Roman power that still exists within the world today. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was my thoughts on the story of O'Sheen and St. Patrick. And mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you introduced me to them because mm -hmm. I will be listening like fireside chat style with my children. Well, Mirren, thank you so much for being on Let's Have the Conversation. These sorts of talks and chats are super important to me. I believe that conversation is a true connection and a way to get to our healing collectively. So thank you for being a part of that with me here today. 
Thank you so much for having me and just for creating this space uh, to talk about and like just create these conversations, continue peeling back these layers of white supremacy that are in within all of us. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. It's all shadow work, love.